Hey legends, welcome back to the Virtus Performance Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we pumped out an episode um, to give you guys a little insight into why I've been a little lazy. I've been tactically lazy, uh, let's put it that way. So when we, when we started the podcast, the intention was to do one a week uh, and we did so for 81 weeks, but kind of got to the point where I was flat chat with a lot of different things and, and I wasn't able to kind of dive in and put the time and energy needed into the podcast for a few weeks. So I decided to take four weeks off um, to kind of refresh a little bit and give myself a bit of, bit of time uh, to kind of remember why I was doing this in the first place. And, and I guess the intention is to have cool conversations with cool people doing cool things um, in you know a way to, to open up this long-form communication to more people. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm back. I'm feeling refreshed. Um, we're going to keep rolling with one a week for the next uh, 18 or so weeks until we hit episode 100. And then we've got a, a shift in the intention of this podcast, which I'm really excited for. Um, yeah, so it's... It's been a bit bit weird, kind of spending four weeks uh, not recording an episode. I've managed to record three three episodes last week, so we've got some pretty epic ones coming up for you guys, which I'm very very excited about. Um, but I've also spent been spending a lot of my time writing and kind of diving a little bit deeper into how I'm feeling and how everything's going. So if you guys want to want to check out any of that, uh, you can jump on the Virtus Performance website. We started a daily blog about a week and a half ago. Uh, and you can also jump on my website, Lockie Wallace at Virtus Performance. Or not, that's my that's my email address. That's not even my website. My website is just LockieWallace.com. If you would like to shoot me some feedback um, or shoot me some suggestions of what you'd like to hear, then LockieLachlanWallace at VirtusPerformance.com is the email address. Apart from that, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for getting around it. Um, if you could share and subscribe and do all that kind of stuff, that would be awesome. Uh, time for today's episode. So. To kind of get us back rolling again, today's episode is one I recorded uh, with a couple of legends, Stu and Nick uh, from Raise the Bar Radio. I jumped on their podcast uh, a couple of months ago. Now we kind of had a bit of a chat about what I'm doing and what they're doing and how it all fits in. Um, both of those boys own CrossFit gyms, so a little bit different to what I do. Um, but it was really cool to have a chat to like-minded people just doing their best to create a community and to create a, a thing uh, out of nothing, which I think is something that shouldn't be underestimated. Um, it's pretty, pretty cool to see people creating something out of nothing and doing really good things with it. So hopefully you guys like this chat. Uh, next week we'll dive back into the regular episodes with uh, a couple of epic guests coming up. Cheers to you all. My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests.
Alrighty, welcome to the show guys. Here we are, uh, we're on the road today. Uh, we're down in Mornington, a uh, very nice part of the world as we were just discussing uh, off camera, or sorry, off audio, or whatever you say there. How are you Stu? I'm really good, I'm in my, my hometown so I'm always happy. <laughs> just had a common folk coffee for anyone that doesn't know what good coffee tastes like or anyone Shout that's out. from my part of the, you know, Cranman part of the world <laughs> and he's drinking piss every day. <laughs> <laughs> Head down to common folk coffee and yeah, get yourself one because the best coffee going apparently around. it's a, a bit of a business hub down that way as well and people get things done as well as drink coffee or you just talk shit most i think they both happen okay. at the same time welcome to the show lucky mate thanks for having us uh absolute pleasure thanks for being on tell us a little bit about yourself mate oh it's a it's a good question <laughs> i uh my name's lucky i i guess what i do is run vertus performance um what i am is Probably an extension of that, or that's an extension of, of me. Um, Fuck, we're starting off deep. Someone, yeah. someone <laughs> that <laughs> grew, grew, I guess grew up uh, loving sport, um, like a lot of kids down down this end of the world. Um, kind of chased that for a little while, realised that I was never good enough to make a career out of it, so decided to do the next best thing, which is coach, and it's kind of just you know rolled on from there. Sounds like my life. You yeah. still a you still do are involved in sport though. You still play footy. Still play footy. Yeah. Um, back to or back to local local level now. So yeah. Get to run around with the boys there, which is which is a whole lot of fun. So you say coaching's the next best thing. Um, what do you enjoy more, being an athlete or being a coach? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting I get I'm deep straight away, mate. I'm incredibly competitive, so an okay. athlete. Um, but I definitely miss so started out doing athletics and playing footy and, and kind of trying to mix the two um, and love the I guess individual challenge of athletics and it's all on you kind of deal but love the team aspect of football as well so football ended up winning out um, but I think I still love competing on the football field like I'll never not love competing in every area of my life to apologies to everyone that spends a bit of time with me um, I will try and make everything a competition. But I think coaching and being able to see other people achieve the things they want to achieve and to be able to, you know, merely watch and slightly guide them on that journey, that's, that's an epic feeling. So I don't think I prefer one. I think they're different feelings. Um, I think I can't... I would really struggle to just have one. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Great answer to that. So uh, we definitely want to get into what is Virtus. Um, during the show, but yeah, um, I know doing a bit of research before we came on down today that uh, it's, taken <laughs> <laughs> it's taken you a while to get there and yeah, um, tell us a bit about the lead up to, I guess, where you are now and what was what is Lockie Wallace before, <laughs> um, you know, getting to where you are now. Yeah, where do you want me to start? You tell me. <laughs> What's your favourite? You start where you, you yeah. enjoy starting the most. Um, yeah, I've always found it really interesting to kind of go chronological because it's you kind of takes you back to a, like a different place and a different mindset. So I guess I grew up in in Caram Downs, played footy at Seaford Tigers, did athletics um, at Seaford Little Ass, spent the most part of my childhood playing football and and running and um, and I guess trying to figure out what life was <laughs> you know in a way like trying to figure out what I enjoyed doing what I didn't enjoy doing school was was something that I probably didn't try hard enough at um I was I guess you'd probably say I was a good student but I never really really committed um committed to it a uh, school looking back now maybe 
wasn't the best, I guess, environment for me to grow and learn and stuff. I found I did that a lot more on the football field or, or on the training training park, um, and kind of did that um, up until I got to the end of high school and kind of went, holy shit, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life because that question you get asked in year 11 or year 12, whatever it is, about what are you going to do next? Um, I was one of the kids that had no idea, and I was probably grew up in a family. I was so lucky to have the family I, w I had growing up um, being so incredibly supportive and, and all these kind of things. But I probably was always going to go to uni. It was just, um, it was probably wasn't something we spoke about all that often, but it was just probably a foregone conclusion that, okay, the next step after high school is uni. So it was al almost, uh, well, I like sport. And like a lot of kids that like sport, they jump into exercise science. Um, so I dove into that, uh, spent the year after uh, high school deciding that I wanted to do a some sort of gap year. I didn't want to, didn't really want to travel. I had no in interest in travel back then, which was strange because now I'm kind of the opposite. Um, but jumped into a Cert 3, 4 and Diploma of Fitness. It was back in the day when they were giving those out um, with a can of Coke and chips. And, <laughs> and they weren't exactly the most sought after thing in the world, but I guess I was lucky that it was the time where the government was kind of pumping a, a lot of money into it that I was able to jump into it for and spend you know the best part of 10 months there um, doing those three three little courses and getting to the end of it and kind of being like all right cool now that i can now i can go to uni and actually um, have a job that i can kind of love doing and and f pt only really came about after that because one of the boys that i played footy with um, used to run jets in in langy so that was kind of my first pt gig um, so yeah uni was was very much the same as high school. I did it as little as I kind of had to. Mm -hmm. um, I rocked up, passed my classes, um, spent most of my time playing footy and and working at Rebel Sport. Um, if anyone bought a pair of shoes from 2010 to 2015, then you probably bought them from me at <laughs> Rebel Sport. That was I love that job. I'm some of my best friends in the world um, now uh, from that that era. So that was a pretty important part of my life, I guess. Um, but kind of found myself three years later at the end of a uni degree at the same spot I was at at high school. I was like, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, so went the, uh, the easy option and jumped into a master's, um, <laughs> which I guess was an easy option because it delayed things a little bit longer. Um, so jumped into a clinical exercise physiology master's. I'd done, some, I'd done a fair few placements at different, um, different gyms, different exercise physiolo physiology clinics. Did one at uh, PACE. Um, in Mornington, with spent some time with Mark Simpson there, who's who's been an awesome mentor over the last few years, and kind of went, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. This is a good next step, and jumped into that, and kind of got halfway through the year, um, or actually it was almost towards the end of semester two, and we're sitting there one night, we're talking about cardiovascular d disease or something like that, and I'm just like, this is not for me. This is not what I want to be doing. So um, made the decision. You know, after that year, I kind of was just floating and playing footy anyway. Like footy was kind of my focus. Um, had done a bit of an internship at at footy, um, kind of learning. Uh, I was at Collingwood in the VFL, so I learned a little bit more about how the AFL system worked and and how I guess the strength coaches and the the strength staff, um, exercise scientists, were treated and how they were able to um, to do what they loved doing and and what it actually looked like. And I think. 
when you, a, a uni student, you go, I want to work in AFL or I want to work in elite sport and you kind of go, you know, this would be the best job in the world and I think some people would be but it, was, it feels like for me there was, you know, you've got 100% of stuff that you want to do with the players, you've got about, you know, 10% of the time and the actual ability to do all those things. So that kind of showed me that I didn't want to work in that environment but I loved the, um, the standards and the expectations and the competitiveness of that elite environment. So, yeah, fast forward through that. Um, got to see what that was like. Spent some time, at uni, or spent four years at uni and got to the end and kind of had one, de one and a half degrees and it was like, holy shit, what do I do now? Um, so I spent a bit of time, during that time I was coaching, um, coaching out of Jets for a year and then coaching out of home. Spending a bit of time kind of trying to figure out what my kind of place was um, in the industry. Um, in the world to a, to a deeper extent and probably struggled for, I didn't struggle because I was playing footy and that was my focus, but struggled from a c career point of view um, for six, 12 months of like, hey, what the hell am I actually gonna do? Like, it's fine for a while of just going, well, I've got another year of uni or whatever and you kind of get to that point where at the end and you're like, holy shit, what, what actually is next? Um, and, I know, and I guess we have an internship program now and I see the kids and the, the interns going through that same process. Um, and it's, it's not a great place to be. And I'm you know, sure probably you guys have been, been down a similar path of not necessarily knowing what you want to do all the time. Do you find um, a lot of your interns are in that same boat where definitely. they've kind of fallen into it and not sure where their place is in the world just yet? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And I, and I think it's a rite of passage as well, I yeah. think, going through that process because one of the things that I, I kind of learnt afterwards, um, after the fact, was we go into a degree like exercise science and I guess anyone that does a degree that's, you know, the arts degree of, of sport more or less, mm -hmm. and people look at it as, oh, you don't have anything at the end. You, you know, you're, you do a teaching degree, you're a teacher. You do an accounting degree, you're an accountant. You do an exercise science degree and you're not necessarily an exercise scientist, you're not necessarily this or that. I used to look at, at that as a, as a big negative in terms of like, oh, we don't have any direction. But now I kind of look back at it as well, it was the best thing in the world because I was able to try heaps of stuff I didn't like, find bits and pieces that I liked. And that ultimately was kind of the, the catalyst to put together, I guess, what I do now, um, was to you know, realize that oh, I didn't have to conform into a job. I was able to, I guess, put a job together um, in some way. So yeah, that kind of took me to to starting to think about what was next and, and then um, it was a few conversations with a few of the, the guys I look up to. I, I probably wasn't aware enough back then to call them mentors but they were definitely people that mentored me and showed me kind of what, or allowed me to open up to what was next. Um, Do you still lean on those mentors now? Um, not those guys so much, probably different, different people. Um, just being the environments I'm in now aren't those same environments but they definitely were really important, um, I guess, guides through those stepping stones. So Can you give us an insight into what? Yeah, definitely. So a couple of my coaches at, at footy were, were massive for me. Um, a few of the strength coaches there were just, because you kind of see what they're going through, right? And a few of them were lecturing at unis and, and teaching and doing things like that. And um, I did a, so I did an internship with um, Christian Woodford at Woodford Sports Science Consulting. And that was kind of the first apart from coaching myself, that was kind of the first real like, okay, well there is actually a chance to do something that no one else is really doing. Um, like I loved what he was doing from, a, from an exercise science and a 
I guess, evidence-based practice athletic development point of view. Can you give us, for, for the listeners, yeah. the context on what he was doing? And yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess there's the way our industry runs is there's a shit ton of gen pop coaching, um, which very like, like anything, like I'll preface this conversation by saying that no matter what people do or what um, area people are in, whether it's a cannon or a chiro or a physio or whatever, there's a lot of people who are good in the middle, um, a lot of people that are, a couple of people that are excellent at one end and a couple of people that are really shit at the other end. So, you know, I think people say this, um, this job or this um, professional isn't very good. Like, oh, I don't, don't believe in chiros or I don't believe in whatever. Like, I think that's a really small, a really short-sighted, small-minded way of looking at it. So, so I guess the way our industry is, is there's a lot of that gen pop side of things. A lot of really good coaches out there. Like, I definitely don't think that good coaches are rare. I think that coaches that give a shit and that care about their clients and that care about, I guess, evidence-based practice isn't rare. And I think that's important to understand that. Um, but I guess I wanted to find something that was kind of more towards that kind of elite end. Um, and Christian was someone that was um, really chasing that athletic development, bringing sports science to the forefront of, of I guess, Australian sport. Um, and, you know, he's still working at it, still got a long way to go. And it's something that, as an exercise science student back then, really interested me, um, I guess, any exercise science student would probably be able to tell you the stats on how many people are actually still in the industry five, ten years after. Yeah. After doing it, it's not many. Um, so being able to see that, oh shit, this guy's actually creating jobs and he's, he's doing things, things like that. Um, Do you believe he's made a big dent in <coughs> the landscape of the exercise professional? I think, I think he locally? has from a, yeah, lo definitely locally from a, from a sports performance point of view, yeah. I think, um, He's definitely making an impact, and I think there's, and that's the thing. People forget the difference between, you know, health, function, performance, and, and tend to try and put everyone in the same in the same category. Like, what, you know, what clients are going to do, going to jets to do is different to what he does. Is different to what you guys do. Is different to what we do. So I think it's important to remember that. But I definitely think he's making a difference, and he's and he's made a difference, and he's someone that probably more than anyone shaped that six, 12 months of my life, so. Yeah, I want to definitely hear some of those yeah. positives about, um, you know, how he shaped, I guess, your vision in about six, 12 months. Definitely. But before we get into that, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this because yeah. one, I've never met him, and <laughs> but he's very polarizing on social yeah. media. And I would yeah. say that, um, you know, I'm probably one of those pe people that has been a little bit polarized. Yeah. And it's probably because I haven't been behind the scenes and um, so I can't comment on his yeah. character or culture or what's going definitely. on at WSSC. But, the generalisations and just the general um, disdain towards, I guess, some other, you know, people not living up to his expectations. How, yeah. How, what are your thoughts there? I, th I think it's a really interesting one. And, I, like, it's it's something that I think there's... Where there's smoke, there's fire, but at the same time, there's two sides to every story, right? Like, I think one of the reasons he's so polarising is because he's so passionate about what he does. And I think when, when anyone is that passionate about something they're going to have tunnel vision through different areas of, the, of their life, if they're coaching, whatever. Um, I think he's a spectacular coach, I think. Yeah, and to be honest, I haven't spoken to him for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, we planned on opening a gym with those guys and, and kind of ended up it not working out from both ends. And, and we kind of moved on, he moved on, um, and it's all, you know, everyone, I, th 
I think everyone's ended up in a better place because of it. But I think from a communication point of view and getting his message across, when you've got that much passion and that much drive, it's, it's really easy to tread on people's toes and, and make people unhappy and things like that. And I think, to be honest, most people who have made a difference and want to make the kind of difference he's making is are going to piss a lot of people off on the way. Um, and I think it's really hard to be friends with everyone. Um, there's like, I've de I definitely have shared some of his opinions on certain things, but also been completely against some of his opinions on certain things. So I can't necessarily speak for where he's at now, um, but he was someone from a, from a passion point of view and from a drive and from a work ethic point of view that I learned a heap off. Over a, over a really short period of time, and that, that was the period of time where I probably needed that person to, to kind of learn from. Yeah, I'm actually blocked on the Facebook page. It's <laughs> 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 just a generalisation about CrossFit coaches that was too much for me, and I jumped yeah. in and kept it very, um, kept my wording very political, yeah. but at the same time, you know, wasn't too happy with the generalisation. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, you're going to be passionate about that side, and he's going to be passionate about the other side, and, and yeah. like, we all, most of us know that there's there's a middle ground somewhere. Of that course. And and that's a th that's a frustrating thing. Like I've got a, I've got a life rule of never argue on the internet, which I have yep. broken a couple of times. But for the last six seven years, I've been pretty staunch on that rule, and I think there's Good. a reason for it. Like we can have a yep. conversation like this, and I think CrossFit has come such a long way since since early days. Oh, um, absolutely. And like just like you know, sports performance coaching yep. and and 24-hour gyms and what, like whatever. So yeah. I think we can sit here and have a conversation and see it from each other's perspective and see it from yeah. the other side of the coin. And, and being, being a coach and a business owner, you kind of start to realise that, holy shit, everyone's here for the same reason. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to remember that and really important to be able to take a step back, hold two opposing views in, in your mind at the same time and go, well, like... From that point of view, for me, if you asked me six years ago what I thought of CrossFit, I'd be like, yeah, CrossFit's shit, next question. Like, yep. if you asked me now, I'd be like, okay, CrossFit's shit, next question. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's obviously good and bad for everything, right? There's of stuff, course. there's ways that we program that is different to the ways you guys program. There's ways yep. we deal with our clients, athletes, that's different to the way you guys do. Yep. Um, one isn't necessarily better or worse. My kind of question is... My question to those questions is, well, are you making a difference in these people's lives? Are they walking out better than they walk in? Are they progressing? And are they having a fuck ton of fun while they're doing it? And if those answers are yes, then cool, carry on, keep doing what you're doing. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm probably, like, compared to, say, the Christians of the world, I'm a lot more on the fence. Um, I still have, like, I'm fairly opinionated on certain things and I'm certainly, certainly driven towards certain things, but my... Yeah, my desire for the industry is that can't we all just get along? <laughs> it's not yeah. that fucking hard. No, yeah, I totally agree. Like, um, I, yeah, I'm an opinionated person, but I think if university taught me anything, it was to, you know, seek your own information and uh, be very objective and, you know, find everything out for yourself and, and definitely don't bash anything. There's always more than two sides to every story of things. And definitely. So, yeah, like, I've, in terms of what do you like... I don't know much about him, but anything, anything I've ever heard negatively is usually via another sort of, you'd probably say, industry leader yeah. in the area. Yeah. And in my opinion, it's possibly more of like a feeling threatened thing by... Oh, 100%. But then anything else, um, mm. because he's outspoken and because he is who he is, but like you said before, like, you know, everyone's got their own, own thing and, you know, a lot of the people that 
go the furthest, probably have more haters than anybody. 100%. Take Kim Kardashian, for example. <laughs> she, <laughs> has, she has more haters than anybody. I am but so off her, by the way. You and I both got involved in um, Sonia, who's been on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, she, was, she reposted a whole bunch of comments about the uh, AFLW and yep. uh, all the sexist comments that were that were coming up on there and I know I can't exactly remember what you said but I yeah she was she was you know she's standing up for her industry because yep. she she yep. works for the the um, TC Cup girls and works in girls rugby league and and I just said look you got I my opinion was you know just you girls got to ignore all that shit and just get on with it and just be you and do what you're doing because what you're doing it's is so good do for that. the sport and her yeah. response was no, I think we should be standing up and saying that this shit's wrong. And I was like, Good my, co my comment was, well, if you don't have moronic idiots commenting, are you really a sport? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got to have some haters. Like, yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of people bashing women's sport, but there's a lot of people bashing men's sport. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you just got to get yeah, on it. If you it. love it, you just got to ignore the noise. It was my opinion for that. And, and that goes for the same for... You know, people like Woody, I feel like he would just ignore the noise as well. I don't think it would affect him too badly. Yeah, I, th I think he's, he's part of his... And like, again, I'm speaking for him, which is probably not a, not a good thing to do, but <laughs> um, I think part of his persona is that polarising figure and, and that's what he's taken on and that's the, the responsibility he's now taken upon himself and that's his, his cross to bear now. Um, and, yeah, to be honest, like, as long as he's happy and, he's, and his athletes are getting better and, and everyone's everyone's moving forward then you know it can only be good for the industry down the track yeah um, I, I think it's important to, to notice or to remember that everyone that's trying to change an an industry or a part of the industry it's not for them in two years it's going to be for you know the changes that are made in 20 years from now and if he changes the way that we look at um you know online instagram models and you know the Kim Kardashians of the world, and, and we, he changes the way that universities do their degrees, and, and it pushes everyone else to do better, then it's a win. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, you know, my opinion on every type of, you know, fitness programming out there, like, I personally don't really care much for, you know, the fitness modelling, bodybuilding <laughs> world. Yeah. But if you're out there and you do that and you enjoy that and you get a lot out of it and it's helping you progress your life in a positive way, then... Who cares? Yeah. If it's not doing a good yeah. thing for your life and it's uh, fucking your life up, then get the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to kind of move on from that one. Um, but I just think, <laughs> yeah. um, But I think the difference is, is like, we're all, I think all three of us in this room are really agreeing that, you know, if someone's out there doing the right thing and has the right intentions and care, um, you know, we're all, that's we're all there for the same reasons. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to understand, like, People can have the right intentions yeah. and be fucking people up, and I yeah. think that's that's where it's like where I shift back to that. Like, you know, I don't think anyone ha you have to have a uni degree. I think you're right; it helps you think critically in a lot of lot of ways. But when you've got people that are cert three and four, they've been doing the same shit for ten years, just like you know, flogging a dead horse. I think it's really important to kind of be aware of that, and it's really hard for us as coaches to who are doing the right things to be able to you know, move that part of the industry forward. And, and that's yeah. where it's frustrating, right? Because yeah. good intentions are part of the... It's just the generalisations, I guess, hurt a little bit. Like, mm. there are CrossFit coaches out there that have degrees. Yeah. Um, Stu and myself, and there are also uh, guys that have done a weekend course. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, right at the start, you've got a lot of people banging in the middle, <laughs> you've got a lot of excellent people, and they're not so excellent people. Yeah. Um, would you ever hire a Cert 3 and 4? 
Yeah, one of our um, senior coaches, Cam. Um, senior coaches? Yeah, oh, cool. so one of our senior coaches, Cam, yeah. so three and four, and he's way smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those people that he's... I met him I met him through Woody, and he's one of those people that he's just self-taught, and he's one of those people that will... He's tried uni, and it just didn't... It wasn't for him, and... I respect him a lot for that. He's actually diving more into some deeper study at the moment with some massage stuff, um, trying to bridge that gap between, I guess, your therapists and your coaches. Um, he's dove into a lot of like the weekend courses, okay. like your FMS and SFMA and things like that, which, to be honest, nothing has changed the way I coach more than that functional movement screen course. So I think it's really important to look at a degree as part of a person. Um, and, yeah, 100%. I would hire... What, make, what, makes him, what makes him just his different to the others? Just his thirst for to thirst for knowledge. Um, he's has incredibly high standards from a coaching point of view. That he he's able to, I guess, not only teach his clients but also pass down to our interns and our other coaches and, and things like that. Um, I think it's a look. If someone has a exercise science degree or a bachelor degree or whatever. For me, it's shown that they can sit in a classroom for three years, which, you know, you can be sitting in a classroom for three years not learning anything or not, you know, not really moving forward or, and progressing, but it's three years of something you've got to commit to, and I think that's a big part of, especially when we're growing up, when we're 18 to 21, 22, when most people are at uni, it shows that you can actually commit something to something for a period of time. Um, but, yeah, the, the things that... It's that growth mindset, um, that ability to consistently show up and, and take the ego out of it and go, well, I don't know this, how do I learn that? Um, and you know, he's part of our team, um, and I think a lot of the other people in our team have been able to help him in certain areas that he maybe have a gap. Um, he's helped me in heaps of areas I've had a gap, and he's been able to help a lot of the other guys um, where they've had gaps. And I think it's a balance between actually going to uni and ed- being educated from other people and learning things from experiences. Yeah, is he a personable rat? A, a personable rat? Is it, does his personality kind of shine through? It depends. It depends how well you know him. Okay. He's a big teddy bear. I love yeah. him lots, but um, he's also a pain in the ass. Okay. But I could probably say that about <laughs> most, most, most of my guys. Um, no, I think he's, yeah, he's, when you get to know him, he, you realise how much he gives a shit. He's got that. Um, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying this because I've, t- I've probably said it to him a few times. He's got that kind of like facade of, of kind of tough guy. Don't mess with me a little bit. Um, but once you break through the barrier, and like our interns, week one, week two, they're a little bit scared of him usually, and then by week four or five, he's giving him cuddles and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's one of those things that um, when you break, break down those, those barriers, um, yeah, he'll teach, he'll teach anyone anything, and that's what I love about him. Yeah. So does that bring us to? We got oh yeah, where we at? Yeah, we got sidelined <laughs> quite a lot, but that's all right. We're not r- always that chronological. Um, but let's dive into getting started with Virtus and um, how that came to be. Yeah, awesome. So um, it was kind of during the masters year, I think. I, I struggle a little bit with like timelines. I'd have to like sit there and work it out. But it was kind of during the masters year. I was um, one of the boys I did my undergraduate with, Jesse, we kind of sat down one day over coffee and kind of like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I don't know. How cool would it be to open a performance gym? We went and played golf and uh, we spent the whole day talking about like the best performance gyms in the world, what we'd actually want, what we'd actually want it to be like. And it was that, I guess for me, it was taking the 
standards and elite environment from that I've been able to see and learn about at Collingwood and through the different football and I guess athletics things I'd done. What were some of the gyms that you really respected at that time? Uh, what did we write down? We wrote Excess, um, Cressy's, Boyle's, um, Woodford was one because it was local. Um, DeFranco's was one. Um, I think that was great. Altus. Do you still look at the US and think? And yes and no, not in the same way as we probably did. Um, we've been lucky enough uh, to acquire um, what I would one of the best physios in the world, and I don't have a, any problem with saying that. He, um, Tyler Gar. Yeah, he's he's a freak, um, but he's someone that teaches uh, has taught FMS and SFMA all over the world. His last job before us was the Chinese Olympic team, and that was something that. He came in and told us that when we first met him, and it was kind of like, wow, holy What's shit. What sports? With the uh, with he did some work with the handball guys and then volleyball. Okay. So he prepared the volleyball girls for the world champs and the Beijing Olympics. Wow. Um, Beijing? I don't know, whichever the one. The Olympics. The last one was, yeah. Um, and they won, which is cool. Okay. So um, he seems to think it was all because of him, but <laughs> no, he didn't say that at all. Um, I'm really interested in that. Yeah. Thought. What, what's... His thought, how is his thought process different that makes him the best physio in the world? <coughs> I didn't say the best, I said one of. <laughs> um, I think he's just, so I think the, the functional movement systems process and the, just in terms of being... Can you give, because Stu and I know what simply, yeah. Can you give so context so into the functional movement? More or less, um, it's, a, it's a whole system developed by a bunch of uh, insane guys from the US, mostly physios. Um, Ray Cook's kind of the, the poster boy for it. It's, been, it's one of those systems that it encompasses everything from like health function performance in terms of the SFMA, which is um, it's more around parts and surrounds, you know, if we break movement down, it's lots and lots of parts playing their role to provide patterns, um, which is the, the FMS, which is the middle part. Um, this is works a lot, lot better in a diagram. Mm -hmm. but so you've got your, your parts at the bottom, you've got your patterns in the middle, um, and then you've got your power at the top. So when we're looking at movement deficiencies, um, I guess capacity deficiencies, we're able to look at that graph and kind of go, okay, where's the problem lying? So if someone's got a busted ankle, it's a parts problem, we need to fix a part. If when they're coming back from that busted ankle, they're unable to do a certain movement, then it's a pattern and there's no pain and the part's okay, then it's a patterns problem, we've got to reteach that pattern. And then from there, it's okay, let's teach it how to be stronger and faster and things like that. So one of the analogies we use is <coughs> these screens are kind of like taking a car in for a systems check before we take it out on the racetrack and put the foot down. We want to make sure that we're not driving with leaky oil and wobbly tyre and handbrake on and things like that so that we can actually make sure that the training we're doing is going to make a difference and is going to make this person better. Um, and I think he's exceptional what he does because of all the experiences he's had. Um, that's obviously a big part of it. Like I think he's, he's worked in probably more countries than I've been to, um, which is frustrating. I need to change that over. But And he, he just follows the system. And I think it's really easy to divert from whatever system you've learned. Um, and this is a system that gets updated consistently with, you know, there's 20, 30 years of research behind it. Um, and, yeah, and his ability to not only execute it with clients, but also teach them, you know, someone that's never set foot in a gym to be able to teach them what, what he's doing and why he's doing it and why, why their body isn't working a certain way, and then to teach us as coaches um, 
to have someone like him on staff, it's just, it's insane. Is he inside your facility? Yeah. Oh, wow. He'll be up there at the moment. Yeah. I played FIFA with him before. <laughs> he beat me in penalties. It was yeah. upsetting. Um, but yeah, so, so he was, he'll bounce around the world um, throughout the year, but his home base is here, which is crazy to think. Yeah. He's, uh, he's chosen us, which I used to think is, it was really lucky that he's chosen us, but I think we've created an environment where, where that's happened. Um, we went way off track again, didn't we? That's fine. That's what yeah. we're doing. No, I like this track. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good track. Um, yeah, so we've been able to create an environment where someone like him wants to hang out. And, and you must really feel like that the people that are coming to see you are getting as comprehensive attention as they possibly can with so many experts coming in from different angles. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's one of the things, you know, when, so it started with Jesse back in the day and we were talking about what we wanted to be and, and that was an environment that was holistic in the fact that it hit, you know, I said it before, the health function performance in one space, and we're still not there yet. Like, there's still a fair few cogs in the machine that we're still yet to add. Um, but finding somewhere that has, because you know, I have my skill set, I have my abilities, and yes, I'm going to keep pushing that to the edge and then further and further and further. But if I try and do it on myself, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have a long, hard road ahead of me. Um, so I'd rather follow that long, hard road with a heap of cool people who are really good at what they do. So I guess our intention from the start was to build a team who could all complement each other, um, who could all fill each other's gaps, but also who wanted to you know, learn and grow together. Um, and yeah, that team's ebbed and flowed over the last couple of years, but I guess we want, I want to be able to you know, go upstairs, have a conversation with a physio with one of my athletes who's struggling with something or you know, to, to be able to send them to our yoga instructor for some, for some TLC time because they're stress, stressing balls because of work or, you know, I want to be able to get them that massage they need or, or have them chat to the dietitian about, um, about their food and nutrition so that, one, I don't have to do it, mm -hmm. but two, that I know they're going to get better service from them. Um, and I think it's really important for us as coaches to know what our lane is and to stay in it. And yes, our lane can get bigger as we learn and, and grow and things like that. Um, but I guess that's the whole vision behind what we're, what we're doing. It's really a great sign of excellent leadership, really, to know that mm. you, know, you, you can only do so much and there's a lot of people out there that are better at, at what they do than you. It takes you. a lot of humble professionals and... It's yeah. really hard. <laughs> Zero <laughs> egos. Yeah, like yeah. like the, the fitness industry would have to be one of the most ego-filled industries going around. Yeah. So for, to get a group together that you've got to all, like I said, stay mm. in their lanes and be humble yeah. enough to say, I don't know, is huge. Yeah. That doesn't exist in many places. Yeah, and I, I guess we set out, out, like, what are the gym rules? Like, Jesse and I wrote them early on, um, and Jesse was with us for the first 12 months um, of, of the business, and, and it wouldn't be anywhere near what it is now without him. Um, I owe him a heap, heap of gratitude for that. Um, but one of the rules we wrote on the wall early on was just leave your ego on the hook, and it was something that we realised that... Um, early on that we were never going to be able to do all these things. Um, and I guess work, like working, interning and, and playing in su elite, sub-elite environments. Um, got to spend a lot of time with the AFL guys at, at the Pies and, and to see you've got your, your doctors, your medical staff, your, your nutritionists, your physio, all talking together with the strength coaches, with, with the actual skills coaches. You know, there's, there's a team of 30, 40 people looking after, sometimes one athlete, and I think it's really easy for us to go, oh no, I know best. But if we're able to kind of take a step back and assess, okay, what is actually best for that, this athlete um, and be able to get everyone's kind of, you know, your brain's trust, 
kind of conversation happening, then all you're going to end up with, um, either it's going to take a lot of time, <laughs> or you're going to end up with a program or advice or that next step, stepping stone for the athlete that's going to help them get to wherever they they need to go. And I guess our intention is to get people from where they are now to where they want to be. Um, sometimes that path will be 80% physio, 10% dietetics, 10% my coaching. Sometimes it'll be flipped. Um, but I guess being able to have those resources to, to lean on and to, you know, to have that conversation with, that's where I guess our value lies and that's what we want to keep building. You seem like you're an extremely passionate coach and I can imagine that part of the, one of the best parts of your day is you know, being like that one-on-one -on -one coaching yeah. and being with your athletes or just helping someone you know, with their personal goals. Yeah. But I walk into your office and, I mean, it's a bit of a war room <laughs> on your wall and, I mean, you've just described how much of a leader you are. And it's pretty damn neat, dude. Yeah. Like, mine would be white. Um, <laughs> if I alphabetical order, mostly. But, I mean, everything you've described, like, I can relate to and it just, I mean, everything that you're doing is not easy. I mean, obviously, you've had to step away from being on the coalface and yeah. coaching more and more. I mean, are you... Very, are you accepting that, you that that's what you need to do or is that something that you struggle with a little bit? It's a, it's a battle. It's a, like it's a journey I find. Some days I wish I was coaching. And I, like Things were really easy when it was kind of just me in my gym coaching 12-hour days, you know, going to footy training and then repeat. Things were definitely easier, but I kind of look at why, why I'm actually doing it in the first place and like what my intention is, kind of what the... You know, the buzzword vision or mission is and, and for me it's just to make the world a better place like as as wanky as that sounds like that's what I want to do and and for me I want to do that but with people that I love people yeah. that I want to want to hang out with um, people that I want to spend time with so it was a, it was easy decision to start putting together that team um, it's a really hard thing to as that team grows to delegate to to handle off coaching to not spend as much time on the floor um, with clients and with our athletes and with the with we call it the Virtus family with with all those guys um but i know that if i'm doing less of that i can spend more time you know building the the structure and the foundation of the of the whole whole you know the ship basically we've used that analogy a little bit over the last couple of years i can help i can you know build out that ship make it a stronger faster um more efficient ship so that people you know we look back at why we're doing it, so that people can get from where they are now to where they want to be, we can help them get there quicker. Um, and, you know, one of the big things we've been big on early, since early on is that education side of things. So if we can have a team that educate our clients to not need us anymore, then we're doing our job um, as professionals. I think we, the last thing I want to do is babysit anyone. Yeah. Um, when you lead your clients to that point, are you still facilitating their training? So is Virtus... In terms oh. of like them not needing us anymore. So like, do they still do their training at Virtus? Yeah. So that yeah. so we don't have we don't have an option for people to come in and do their own thing. Okay. Um, my so we but w but we know that we're always you know unless someone goes and studies how to like physiology or whatever we're probably going to be a couple of steps ahead of most of them anyway. Even if they do know where they're at, then there's we've still got a whole heap of steps that they can still take. Yeah. Um, I guess. Part of the intention about teaching them and allowing them to be self-sustainable is that we want to have, on the flip side of that, we want to have the environment where they don't want to leave and they want to keep contributing and putting back into it. Like some of our clients could be coaches anywhere else and they're, you know, sparkies and teachers and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I can sit back some classes and kind of watch them coaching each other 
Um, and it's a really cool feeling. So we know that you do a very comprehensive job with your clients and the people that are coming in seem to, like from all accounts, seem to be getting you know, a, an excellent service compared to you know, what is out there. But, I hope so. <laughs> um, I mean, what, how, if I walk in the door for the first time, and I saw your post the other day where I've been following your socials for a while, but it was F45 with an empty <laughs> box next to it, CrossFit yeah. with an empty <laughs> box to it, and then Virtus with yeah. a tick in it. Um, that so cut deep, mate, that cut deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, but I assume that you're some, like, you've created your own hybrid. Yeah. If I want to come to Virtus as a, as a like, and be trained, like, yeah. what, what am I, how do you, what's your elevator pitch and what am I doing? That's a really good question. What do you want? Uh, well... Comeback question. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So, right now, I just don't want to be fat. <laughs> <laughs> could stop eating. Done. Next. Um, yeah, and I, actually, that was a, just a little cheeky post that I, I really, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed yeah, I like putting it. up. It yeah. was something that I think it's really important to not have that, like we spoke about before, have that, like... Like, don't want to piss on what everyone else is doing. Um, but uh, for, for us, that was just a little bit of Was that on Virtus or on Excellence Coach? No, that was on Virtus. Virtus. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it did well. I thought it was just you know, someone who's unique. I've got a really good idea <laughs> to uh, elaborate on that. I've already... So we actually got stole out of someone. I crossed out their business name and wrote Virtus. So okay. Yeah, I'm going to probably steal it again and yeah. take it next level. By all means. Okay. Um, so so what, what you do... So I guess my conversation... You know, usually that's on the final if you come in. My conversation's all about what you want. Okay. Um, first step for every client, no matter whether you're a you know, world champion or a, a mum of two who just you know, wants to get off the couch, our first process with all new clients is what we call our induction process. So it's three one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, our goal for those three sessions is twofold. It's one, to get to know you as well as possible and for you to get to know us as well as possible. We use that for... We do our movement screens. We do our... if if competent, we do our capacity screens, we do our goal setting, we do our lifestyle management stuff, and we kind of paint a really good picture for us as to what you need, what you want, because for a lot of people, they're not really the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, people might want to lose weight, but really, they need that self-confidence. Mm -hmm. um, people might want to bench press more, but really, they want to be faster or, or stronger for footy, and we know they're not necessarily the same things. Mm -hmm. So <coughs> it's to paint a picture of what people need. Um, but also to educate, so it would be educate you guys on what it is that you need and what you think you need compared to what you actually need. Um, so we want to make sure that it's an understanding from both ends. After, at the end of those three sessions, okay, what is the best um, next step? And that might be seeing a fizz, it might be jumping yeah. into our group training, it might be one-on-one, -on -one, it might be going somewhere else. I'd imagine that that would be hard to remove your bias. Oh, of course it is, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'd imagine trying to go in and seeing this person as a blank canvas and not having any you know, notion of which direction you want to take them in, yep. that would be very difficult. And that's, what, yeah, and that's why we follow, like, follow the system. To okay. We follow that functional movement screen. Yep. We go, okay, well, if people, if people don't have a certain score, um, then we use, use the correctives to fix those those things. Yeah. Um, if they get to the end and they still don't have that score, because obviously some people come are starting from a long, longer way back, um, then they will only have one or two options with us. It might be see the fears. It might be um, to jump in our one-on-one. -on -one, you don't qualify for our group training yet. And I've found it. It's getting easier, but it's a hard thing to do to say to someone, "I don't think you're a good fit for us." Or, you know, if we have a lot of people who will say, oh, "I don't want to do that induction process," and I say, "Well, you know." Best of luck if you need any mm -hmm. help, let me know. But 
we're not a good fit because that's that's the barrier to entry. Yeah. Um, and as hard as that is, it means that when we do, when people do join, um, they one want to commit to being a part of what we're doing, but also we know that they're they're ready to commit to themselves. And that's a that's kind of why we started that. And it gets a lot easier over time once you've established a strong culture. Definitely, I would imagine. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, yeah, from experience, actually. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you, when you know that what they're coming into is going to be, um, you know, one of the, one of the best that they're going to find, then it's it's an easy, a much easier sell now than it was when we didn't necessarily yeah. know what we were doing. Um, but you must know what your most popular programs are with a group one on one. Yeah. So where where would a if I tick a lot of the boxes and my score's okay, where am I often heading? What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I yeah. just don't want to look fat you in front don't want of to look the class. Well, well then, I don't know, if it's not in front of a class, then come look fat and just one-on-one. -on -one. No, no, no. So I don't want, like, I don't want to be the fat <laughs> I know, coach. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, so, so for us, it's, it's a conversation around what you want and what you need. So Okay. Um, and my budget. And your budget, obviously. So yeah. if, if it's okay, one of the questions, a really simple one, is how many times do you want to train a week? Okay. And if you want to train six times one-on-one -on -one with me a week, then great for me, not great for your wallet. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to train six times f six times in our group training, it'll be less than one one-on-one -on -one with me, then then that's kind of your answer. Yeah, um, gotcha. And because we have that screening process initially, um, there's not that, oh, but you've got to do these six one-on-ones first. It's, okay, well, you've passed or you haven't, and I'll have that conversation with them like at the start. Um, here's why we do this. Here's what I need to see from it. If I don't see this, then this is what we've got to do. So, I don't know, the word we use when we're talking to the coaches about, about it is probably just pre-framing. Yeah. You know, say you guys have done some sales stuff, it's just pre-framing what it's actually going to look like and then leading them through it and allowing them to lead us in certain, certain points of time. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not silly enough to ask you what the best program is for someone because, I mean, yeah. we all know the answer is depends. Um, but what are your principles that make it for an excellent program? That's a really good question. I think my principles, um, so for me, it's, it's kind of, there's a couple of, I guess, emotional, mental principles that come with it, and then there's a couple of that, those physiolo physiological principles. So I need to make sure someone actually wants to be there. Um, I need to actually, like, principles, almost the most important thing is understanding what they actually want and why they actually want it. So, you know, it's it's been bastardised a little bit because it's so common, but that starts with why um, Simon Sinek book or podcasts or TED Talk, whatever. Um, if anyone, any coaches haven't listened to that 15 times, then get on it. And I think that's, that's principle number one. We need to know why someone wants to be there because those days where you don't want to rock up, those weeks where you don't want to rock up, when all the other shit's falling in around you, life's happening, we need to know what we can come back to um, and, what, and they need to know what they can come back to too. So, so it's about building resilience from a coaching point of view it's, and from a phys physiological point of view it's very much about, okay, we need to make sure you can move well um, and move often. We need to make sure that you have the strength and capacity to be able to lift heavy weights, do it consistently and deal with all the stuff that life throws at you and we need to make sure that we can develop your energy systems to be able to have a strong cardiovascular respiratory system to be able to do shit that w whatever is expected of you in life. So so I guess you know, there's going to be different principles between 
say your general population guys, your rehab guys, and your like, performance guys. Um, but if you want to simplify it, it's move well, move often, be strong as fuck, be able to do it consistently. Um, and it's simple. Yeah. Do are you so? Do you get many of the amateur local athletes coming through your facility? Yeah. So we do. We started off. Um, and I guess this is how our business models changed over the last couple of years. We started off, you know, 98% one-on-one. Like everything we did was one-on-one. Maybe we'd have a group of one-on-two. All basically local amateur athletes, um, athlete development. One of the, and that was that was my one of my passions and and Jesse's passions early on was that athletic development side of things. Um, one of the things I kind of realised was that we are just people for a lot longer than we're athletes. And that's something that I kind of started rolling into, you know, six, 12 months in, was just, you know, I want to be training athletes as a part of it. Um, being an athlete and kind of probably struggling with that um, transition from an athlete to a coach, that was what I wanted to be doing. And I guess that transition changed, changed what the kind of people that I wanted to be coaching, um, that I thought the business wanted to be coaching. So, so we kind of made that shift from the mostly elite, sub-elite athletes to the more gen pop. Um, we probably have a split of maybe like 2080 now, um, more, more towards gen, gen pop. Okay. Um, we still have that f- big chunk of athletic development stuff. Um, but for most, I guess, local athletes, they're spending most of their week on tactical, technical stuff. Um, we want to be able to guide them through their, through their, I guess, strength training and through their... Um, athletic development, but it's from a, I guess, a time and funds point of view, it's, it's really difficult to have um, everything or to be able to give them everything that we want to give them. So it's more about starting to teach them that, those first little steps and then taking them from there and maybe checking in once a week, once a fortnight, whatever. But we still do train athletes in, you know, 20, 30 different sports in from guys that see us three or four times a week to guys that see us once a fortnight or once a month. Um, you know, we've got a couple of younger coaches that, that do predominantly coach um, more athletic populations. I still have a chunk of kind of the elite guys and then guys kind of verging on or guys that just want to be better local athletes. Um, we still run our like pre-season programs and stuff like that. But one of my big values as a, as a coach and as a person is community and, and is, a, is belonging and tribe and all of those all of those fancy buzzwords but part of my coaching is just building that as well um, and part of my I guess role as um, as head coach or whatever whatever title I want to give myself on that particular day because I like having fun with titles because I think it's so wanky we give our, when we give ourselves yeah. our own titles. So Lord Commander of Virtus. El Chifo, <laughs> CEO. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty funny. But whatever title I want to give myself, growing that community is a big part of it as well. So fi- finding the balance is hard, right? Like I'll pump out, like we'll pump out marketing for a period of time and I'll realise we haven't touched athletic development. So I think that's why, like I talked about the um, health function performance before, the performance side of things is both on an athletic um, athletic gra- ground or um, environment, but it's also life environment. Mm-hmm. It's finding the balance between that, and it's hard when when you've got we don't have a heap of resources um, as a small business. It's hard to be able to diversify and do both really really well. So 
um, I guess, yeah, I guess you could say we've shifted a lot more towards the gen pop. Um, mm -hmm. Just legends that want to be happier and healthier, stronger, fitter versions of themselves. Um, but there is still that element of athlete development. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love your vision. It sounds, yeah, um, excellent. But another question for you just before we move on from that amateur athletic development yep. or sub-elite athletic development. I haven't been involved in team sport or um, at Clubland for five years now. Yep. And um, has it changed at all? Because I feel like um, the, the education was always the thing that was missing. And yeah. You know, uh, you know, Monday, uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, you've got your training and play on Saturday, and in between your bench on Monday, and <laughs> <laughs> you do bicep curls and tricep dips yeah. on, on the Wednesday, and that's pretty much the extent of your athletic development. Is that, is that getting better, or uh, are you guys making I, an impact I there? Th I think it's getting getting better. That you know, first twelve months, that was a big focus for us to be able to get into clubs and do that, but. From it's you know we've I guess been running the business on Smelvin Oily Rag for a couple of years and it's really hard to continually tip in the resources from our point of view what the clubs need mm -hmm. compared to what they're able to give us um, give us back. So yes, it is it is changing. It's changing a lot slower than we would like, um, and and I think that's just a little bit of the reality. Like we kind of came into it going yeah we're going to change all these clubs. Um, I still try and get in clubs that we play, like YCW footballer. So I still try and get in clubs that we can we play and train them wrong as a joke, so that we can still beat them. <laughs> um, but I think it's, you know, we. I look at my club, Frankston YCW, and it's getting there, but there's still a long, long way to go. Um, and all of that comes down to resources, it comes down to funds, it comes down to what the club can actually put in. Like, I think if you're a local athlete, if you're a like an amateur athlete, then the onus is on you um, to find those ways to do it. So you have elements of each club will we'll be trained properly, we'll be doing the right thing. Um, we'll move away from your back and buys and your chest and tries and, and all that kind of stuff and they'll start moving into, you know, learning about different ways to, to program around like push and pull or around like power, strength, speed, all those kind of things. So I think it's moving, um, it's not moving as fast, I think being at a club that's been really successful for a long period of time, it, it's kind of that older days, like you don't need to change what's not, not broken. So a lot of the clubs that have caught up to us over the last couple of years, I know they're doing a lot more strength work than we are. Okay. Um, but it's really hard to, to change that on a, on a broader, broader spectrum. So m our focus kind of comes on, okay, which athletes actually need help or want help um, and how do we best, best help them? Cool. Uh, my next question is, yeah, we're going in a totally different direction, but you just said something that um, kind of really sparked my interest in that you've been running Virtus on a, <laughs> on a smell of a, an oily rag, and I can relate to that a lot, yeah. because, you know, as, Same. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. the business grows, I mean, more equipment comes in. Is yeah. that, um, I mean, how much of that is true, and how, how long you've been, has Virtus been open for now, and I mean, does that keep you, like, the, f like the fire in your belly really going, that you have to, you know, you, yeah, you're all in? That's a really good question. And you've got to you've got to get into work and just get it done every single day. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a really really tough one. I think the fi the fire is definitely still there. Um, I definitely just feel some days that I'm like so worn out that I just need to like find a hole to sleep in. Um, yeah, you'd be a robot if you weren't. Yeah, yeah. that's it. How many hours a week do you reckon you work on average? Um, I don't know. It depends what you consider work. Like right, I don't yeah. consider this work. We're just hanging out yeah. talking shit. What about um, FIFA? FIFA. <laughs> that so that's something that like finding little things like that. They're usually the first yeah. things to go. That's yeah. there was a 
big period, probably like six, 12 months, where I didn't do any of that. Like, I didn't do any. I definitely kept playing and stuff like that, but we didn't do enough of that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the first year when we didn't really have any worries, we'd play soccer, we'd, kick, we'd piss far around, like we'd play basketball, we'd do all the fun stuff throughout the day, coach, you know, wake up next morning, raring to go again. And you know, now we've you know, got all the, the back end stuff that I know you two have to deal with and all of the things that aren't why you got into business in the first place. Um, so to answer your question, we're three years. Yeah, we hit just hit three years. Well done. Thank you. Um, it's it's been a, it's been a cool ride. Like it's it's crazy to kind of reflect, um, and it's something that I'm definitely getting better at doing. I wasn't great at it the first couple of years of that reflection and looking back. I'm, I guess, fairly driven and, and fairly well, like that competitiveness comes out in business. I always want to be getting better, and I think it's really important to stop and take a breath and look back and realize how far you've come. And this year's been a lot of a lot of doing that kind of stuff, um, but. There's definitely been times, so Jesse was here the first 12 months and it was kind of like, I kind of look at it as like chapters, like first year was just us having fun, figuring out, oh shit, we're running a gym, now what do we do? Um, the, the next 12 months was me kind of like, oh shit, I've got to do this by myself. And, it, and it's not by myself in the fact I've got a team around me, but like you guys know, it, it still some days feels like it's by yourself. It's very um, lonely sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely a lonely place to be. And that middle year was like, uh, how hard can I work? Um, how many hours can I be here? All that kind of stuff, and that probably got us out of the hole a couple of times where I, you know, I never really thought it wasn't wasn't going to work. But there's always those doubts. Oh, holy shit! What if I fuck up? What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? Um, and then you know, towards the end of last year and, and the start of this year, it was very much about okay, how can I build a team to one give me a little bit of my time back, but also to create that culture um, and to be able to run the place without me. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do that I did was travel um, a little bit this year. So I ended up going away early this year for seven weeks, um, left did the gym. Did the gym explode? It didn't, funnily enough. And it's, you know, it didn't burn down and, and everyone still kept getting better. And, and I guess that's, that was a really cool feeling to be able to like be on the other side of the world, be able to look at it and you know, there were some spot fires and there were some staffing issues that happened and, and different things, but at the end of the day, it was all going to be okay. Um, if I got back and, you know, we're five grand down on what I expected, then we're five grand down on what I expected. So it's, I think it's, for me, that growth has come from being able to appreciate things a little bit more, being able to slow down. Um, I like to think one of my biggest lessons from this year is being able to learn how to walk slower. Um, and, you know, a couple of people around me have helped me do things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, I can't remember all your questions around that, but it was just one of those, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy ride and it made me realize how, because you, you think early on that all you want is growth. I want to get bigger, I want to get bigger, I want to get bigger. But what you forget is that when you get bigger, your expenses increase, your equipment costs increase, your wages increase and all these different things and you kind of like, you I realised probably mid middle of this year that I was kind of chasing stuff I didn't really want anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't really think, I thought that I wanted, I didn't actually want and it's been a, a really interesting kind of six months where it's, it was always what's next and now it's, it's a bit of that and it's always going to be a bit of that but it's more like, okay, what can I do to make, to get better at being small rather than what can I do to try and take over the world. Can you identify the catalyst to making that decision? Um, I, I think perspective is a big, big part of it. Is 
Like it's really easy to think this is really difficult. You know, there's I'm the only one in this position and all that kind of stuff. And when you kind of look at it, like I, as you've probably noticed, I love diving into books and and I think starting to realise how much of an insignificant role we play in the world <laughs> um, has helped um, immensely. Um, there's a few mates that I like, have argue, arguments with, who are red in the face about um, meaning and. and and desire and things like that. And I think we are so meaningless as individuals that what we do doesn't matter in the slightest. And for me, that gives me a whole, a whole heap of, uh, I guess, meaning within itself in a weird, fucked up way um, that makes sense in my head. Okay. Um, but that insignificance gives us meaning to be able to find things we're passionate about and, and do what we want and to be able to realise that things are always going to work out eventually. Like. One of my favourite sayings is, this too shall pass. And I think well, the good shit or the bad shit, like when things are going really, really well, it's going to pass. Things are going to be shit pretty soon. May as well just enjoy it, right? And when things are shit, okay, let's just endure it because things are going to get better. Um, so the catalyst was probably a lot of conversations. Running the podcast definitely helps. Being able to have a couple of you know, conversations every week or two about other people's journeys and other people's struggles and I think everyone suffers and everyone struggles and it's really important to know that and be reminded of that because as business owners, like you guys would have been through the same stuff. It feels like you're all alone, you're the only one going through it but you know, it just takes a little bit of perspective to kind of look out at everyone else and go, well, they're all dealing with the same shit just in different ways. Um, whether my w the worst thing that's happened to me is better or worse or different to the worst thing that's happened to someone else. Relatively, it's still the worst thing. So it's still, yeah, it's they're still dealing with something. So, yeah, the catalysts, conversations, podcasts, books, um, being a part of the Alchemy Crew and being able to see, like, not just one or two different people that are going through it, but everyone's going through the same stuff. And and you know, being able to offer some of my lessons and experiences to help other people and vice versa has been a yeah, massively beneficial experience this year. Now, you do have a fuckload of books <laughs> on the shelf uh, in front of us here. Um, what... Oh, scar tissue. That's great a, book. That's a great book. Um, what are some of the most influential for your business, for your career, um, and your coaching are up on, on here? And yeah. what are some influential people that have kind of um, changed your perspective a little bit? Yeah, it's a really good question. I don't really know where to start. Um, I think... In terms of books, there's probably a couple that, and, it, and they probably coincided with, I guess, a time when I was ready to start diving into learning and, and understanding. And um, I think when you're like growing up an athlete, that ego is always a big part of it. And and that trying to disassociate from, from the ego side of things um, has probably happened over the last six, 12, six, 12 months for me. And I'm still a way to go, a long way to go. but. There's certain books that came along kind of at the right time, um, and I tend to find that keeps happening, funnily enough. You'll read something in a book and you're just like, holy shit, I was just talking about this, or, or whatever. Um, probably the big one is Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, I read that book twice, listened to it once, and just how someone who you look at is so successful and has so had so much self-doubt and had so much failure. Um, you know, He's had to rebuild his company again and, and all these kind of things. And he's looked at as like, he's the go-to guy now when it comes to like economic um, stuff in the US. And But it, it's so much deeper than that in terms of like culture and personal beliefs and principles. Um, 
and you know, it's kind of like a guidebook to life. I think anyone that hasn't read Principles, and it's loosely based around Joseph Campbell's um, Hero's Journey, that's such a good book to see the, because the first third talks about his story, so you get a really good insight and context behind it. The middle third talks about his life principles and what he tries to live his life by, and then the last third's his work principles. And I remember getting to the end of the life principles and going, this can't get any better, this is amazing. His work principles will just be like, yeah, do this, do this. And his work principles blew my mind. Um, so much so that I bought five of their books, and I actually don't know where any of them are. Um, <laughs> I think I've, I've uh, dished them out to people just to, to read and... and um, yeah, so that's probably been the one book, um, and probably, you know, I could, I could list 20, but probably two of the others um, that have really shaped that view of, I guess, insignificance and, and meaning and things like that is probably Sapiens uh, by Yuval Noah Harari, uh, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, um, two that make me realise how little choice we actually have into the way, like, we have a bandwidth to operate on, and I think we think it's a lot bigger than it is um, in terms of how, much, how many things are determined for us um, prior to us actually be being able to make decisions. And even those decisions are influenced by you know, who we are and who our ancestors were and the way the world's set up and all those kind of things. So, yeah, that's, that's there two that have yeah, just blown my mind from a person, people point of view. Um, or from a, like understanding me a little bit better, and then two stories that are just amazing parables. One's the alchemist, um, and the other one's uh, the old man in the sea. So the alchemist's Paulo Coelho, I think it is, and the old man in the sea's um, Ernest Hemingway. Um, two pretty short books that I think they're two of the books that everyone should read once a year because they're the story about I guess hardship and and journey and process that. You, every time you read them, you get something else out of them. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the um, any good storybook. You should be able to learn something different from each one. Um, and the Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield is probably pretty similar on that. It's just everything's a journey and it's a process. And you've sometimes when you don't know where you're headed, you've got to trust that process. I think it's um, great that you do so much reading. I think so many of us, including myself, put reading and learning aside and it definitely stunts our growth whether it's personal mm -hmm. growth or business growth um like nick and i could totally agree that the paths that we've taken in terms of running our businesses will all be similar in ways a lot of what you yeah. talk about oh. you know i feel like you know it's definitely we've come across those things at certain periods definitely you know my gym's almost six years down bravo but from yeah but like well, one thing i think about is like fuck man, if I just read more books, I feel like I could have been so much better <laughs> at the three-year point than I am, like, uh, the things I'm learning now by the six-year point, if I read books, I could have half that <laughs> and double what I was doing. But yeah. it, I might not be ready to hear some of the advice, so that's the thing. No, exactly right. Like, it's, uh, I, I liked what you said about, you know, some things come to you at the right time, and I think this year... Everybody read this book this year, but the subtitles are not giving a fuck come to me at the right time. Book. I hate that book. <laughs> it came to me at the right <laughs> time, and um, it was really helpful. Why do you hate yeah. it? No, I don't hate it. I think it's a really good book. I, mean, it's, I think, so Mark Manson, I dove into all these articles and stuff because I didn't like the book, but I think it was because everyone else was fucking reading it. So yeah, I, yeah. I read it, maybe, I got it just after it came out, so I saw a fuck on the cover, I saw orange. This is pretty cool. Like I, so I read it, and I really enjoyed it. 
at the time, but thought he repeated himself a little bit. Yeah, I thought he was just fuckety fucketing yeah, after the first couple so of chapters I, for no reason. So I thought he was pandering to that crowd that wanted to see fuck in a book. Yeah. And this probably says more about me than anyone else, but it really frustrated me. Every time someone would like take a photo of it or put it up on Instagram, like I could tell you everyone that read that book this year because they all put it on Instagram. And it, that almost frustrated me. Like... I kind of said off the cuff that it's the book that people read if they don't really want to read books, but they want to read books. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I, I started reading it because I was like, I haven't read books for ages. <laughs> I need to get back into it's reading yeah. books. I'm going to start with this one. One that says fuck. And, and, it's, <laughs> and it's, I think, I think the way he's purposely written it is to appeal yeah, to oh, people that yeah. probably should read more books. Yeah. So he's, I would say he's probably he's not dumbed it down. I don't mean to insult the job. people that are reading it, yeah. but uh, I, I think it's a good lead into yeah. reading more like reading that book maybe go i'm gonna read more. yeah his yeah. website is exceptional some of his articles uh you know those ones that you read at exactly yeah. the right time um yeah it's it's bloody ace i think if anyone's struggling to get into reading um the alchemist is probably a really good place to start or just dive into an audio book um mm. audible is probably the best 13 bucks you'll ever spend a month lucky what is uh your perfect day look like Four. um <coughs> perfect day I'll probably get up come and co uh, I'll probably get up at like 4.30 4.45 come in and train that's not a perfect day <laughs> <laughs> alright no, I'm, right get, I'm right. getting to it <laughs> okay um, get up and train um, I've been trying to get into back into the habit of doing it beforehand because it's one okay. of those things as coaches we always lose our ability to train ourselves because we run out of time and, and give it to everyone else so come in and train my 6am crew uh, one of my favourite favourite hours of the day, every day. Um, probably go to Common Folk, have coffee, have breakfast, talk shit. Um, probably at eight, eight in the morning, I'd probably head down the beach, um, maybe read, go for a walk, um, hang out by myself. Probably catch up with KP, my partner. Um, she's been a big part of my growth and progression as a person for the last, we've been together almost 10 years. What does she do? Um, she's a teacher. Okay. So that perfect day probably wouldn't happen because she's goes to school. Mm -hmm. um, but spending some time with her, probably, probably lunch, chilling out, enjoying the delicious food the Mornington Peninsula has to offer. Um, then I'll probably slide in for a nap somewhere, somewhere in there, probably wake up, have some more food, do a podcast, coach for an hour or two, go drink some beers with some mates. How often does this day happen? Probably all of those boxes in the same day, probably never. Yeah. Um, however, I am very fortunate that I kind of get to do whatever I want to do most yeah. days. And I, and you know, obviously there's certain times you don't want to rock up and coach at 6 a.m. There's certain times that I'll set five alarms and sleep through them all um, to get up at 4.30, 4.45. Um, you know, there's times where I'll have to coach till 9 or 10. Are you an Aubrey Marcus fan? I am. Um, in certain certain ways. What do you think of his book? Um, three three out of five stars. Yeah. yeah. What's fair. the book talking about? Own your day, own your life. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. it talks about the perfect day. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like the concept, but I, some of the methods. Yeah. I, I actually, yeah. I really liked it for for the fact that it was like one. It was for us as coaches, like if we're reading it, right? It's a really good kick up the ass for some simple shit. You know, you're not doing. Yeah. Um, I think for anyone that hasn't dove into all that kind of side of things, you might he might lose them a little bit. Yeah. I listen to it. So, so we're talking like just for context again. Yeah. We're, we're talking about 
somewhat left alternative kind of methods to yeah. traditional. Yeah, I know. I, I like them because I think anything. My perfect day now is going to be different in a, in a couple of months, and I think that's yeah. the thing that like I get stuck in routine. I think routine's great to get stuff done, but it's also really easy to burn a month or burn a year by doing the same shit every day. Mm -hmm. um, so my perfect day. Another answer would be, I don't know, something different to yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the doing things differently, but I also like the consistency. So it's like that that balance, right? Yeah. Um, do you, when you try and, do you immerse yourself in the culture? Or, like, do uh, you do a class or do you... Yeah, do, do I you try to. Yeah. Um, one of the things, so we, we run an internship program where we get younger coaches, yeah. students, practitioners in for 12 weeks to for us to basically teach them as much as we can and for them to learn and, and, yeah. and have some real practical experience. So when they're competent enough and I might sleep in that morning, then I'll kind of set them up to run one of those classes and then you know I'll be able to experience it as a client but also yeah. to be able to help out for coaching as well. Mm. So um, one, of, one of my goals for next year is to not necessarily coach um, after 12 o'clock. Yeah, okay. Um, is to spend the afternoons... Working on the business, doing podcasts, um, you know, reading, napping, doing all the fun stuff, but then being able to be a part of and being around, but not necessarily having to coach. Yeah. Um, so I definitely don't do it enough. The last, you know, I probably, after footy for me, like at a, a sub level finished up, I probably had a year and a half where I did, kind of didn't do much. Yeah. Um, do you need to do much? I, I mean... You, you wouldn't do as much in the gym, I mean... No, I definitely don't do as much. Being um, seeing as you're at the club. Yeah, I kind of lost that desire to do anything in the gym, you know, in yeah. a way, for a big big period of time, and I've kind of, I feel as though I'm finding it again. Okay. Because um, I just, in terms of, I guess, sporting achievements or sporting um, goals, I don't have any okay. um, at the moment. Like, um, I, ran, I ran a marathon a couple of months ago off a day's notice, because um, <laughs> my partner was... Scott did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? They're not that hard. <laughs> uh, uh, Cardiovascularly wise, it wasn't that hard. Like yeah. I was like, I pins? could run. My pins went though. Yeah. Yeah. That no, was they, the thing. they seized up. I was probably running too fast. I let my ego get yeah. ahead of me a bit. Like, not too fast for what I could handle aerobically. Yeah. 100%. But off doing a, like a 2.4 in preparation. <laughs> uh, yeah, at the 20K mark, there was a lot of seizing in the pits. Yeah. He rocked up for a podcast a, a day or two later. and could move. Oh, I'm on the second level. Absolutely. And, and it looks out straight into <laughs> the... So I watched him get out of the car and just waddle yeah. up. I couldn't get my phone out fast enough to get it on video, but... Yeah. Uh, it was, it was I still got a purple toenail. Still <laughs> purple. Yeah, I still got a toenail. Um, <laughs> but this yeah. is... A this is a question for you as well, Stu, but yeah. do, you, do you ever, because I have a cert, like a slight level of like resentment sometimes of the commitment that I have to the gym, because I mean, like we talked yeah. about my goals earlier, I don't want to get fat, yeah. so I still want to train, yeah. I still want to be in the gym, I still enjoy it, that's why I got into it, yeah. um, but it's impossible to immerse myself in the culture and do a class yeah. and not be and not have 100 people coming at me at the same time. So it's impossible to, to just, mm. whilst I'm in the gym, I can go somewhere else and do it, of course. And I, sometimes I go to sh I've been to Stu's gym a couple of times to yeah. get this experience, but yeah. I can't just do a class. I can't just do a workout because it's probably on me yeah. to a very high degree, but I can't switch off at the same time. So um, do you guys find that at all? It's taken me time. I used to be like that. People would ask me questions or I'd be thinking about something else. But now I've probably got the staff around me that mm. I can do that. I can yeah. just train and just 
train with the boys in the class or whoever really. Or sometimes I just immerse yeah. myself but do my shit by myself. Um, yeah. But that's not always been that way. And it, sometimes it goes back to that way here and there, depending on if I've put too much shit on my plate or stressed yeah. myself out. But it's something definitely to work towards and that comes to probably putting your other staff in that position of leadership. Definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think, I don't know, for me there's certain times of the day I can train and then if it's outside of that I'll really struggle to get, just get moving, yeah. get motivated. Like, um, So I think one of the things for me is I, you know, some people will say that they don't want to mix business and pleasure and stuff like that. One of the things that I'm completely okay with is to be really good friends with the people that are in, in my facility, I guess. I agree. I want it to be a community, and if I'm not buying into that, then no one else will. Yeah. Um, so I find it easier now to dive into coach to, to dive into training with them, and you know I'll just end up being one of the like one of the guys in there who will cue and do little things like that. Yeah. So um, it's definitely hard. It's a curse of being a coach is that your mm. training is going to be the first thing to go, um, and that you're not never going to see the environment the same way again. Um, you know, when you say to people that oh, I kind of need another gym to go to, sometimes they don't get it, but I'm sure you boys would get it. Mm. And I think the way and the way that I program a little bit, and the way that our gym operates is it's a place that I want to be most of the time anyway. So um, I'm definitely sometimes I resent it, but I'm definitely still not at the stage where I like I need to be somewhere else right yeah. now. Like if I've got three hours off, I'll be in here or sitting at the gym. Um, I need to get better at going home and having a nap or going home and chilling out, doing some me time or, or getting down the peninsula and yeah. doing something else. But, yeah, it's it's a hard one, but I think you get, like Stu said, you get better at it the more you do it. Yeah, it's a never-ending, evolving process. Yeah, I really find. Yeah. What's your advice for someone that's stepping foot in the gym for the first time? Um, I think... I think it goes a couple, couple of different ways. Figure out what, what you want is a big one and why you want it. And... My first bit of advice would be find a really good coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yes, there's some bias towards that, but if you find a good coach, then they're going to facilitate you figuring out what you want to do, figuring out why you want to do it, figuring out how you're going to get there. They're going to set the plan in place. They're going to be the support network that you need. So you know, all of the things, like the five bits of advice I give, if you find the right coach and the right environment, because like, like one coach isn't going to be able to change your... Well, they're going to be able to change your life, but they're not going to be able to do it forever. Um, so being able to find an environment that's constantly evolving at, and that can keep teaching you as you evolve would be number one. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to fire our biggest question at you. Um, last final question. Yeah. At you. Um, but your one message to the world and you can put it on a billboard. What, what's that going to be? Be excellent. Is that, <laughs> that ties in with the Virtus name as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so Virtus is Latin for excellence. Yeah. Um, excellence, character and courage. But excellence is that one word that it's really, it's kind of the, it's been, you know, in the background the whole time. Um, yeah. <coughs> when we were trying to think of a name, like it's one of those things that's really hard, like that's the hardest thing you almost do in business, trying to find a name that you actually enjoy and you like and you want to keep coming back to. Um, excellence is one of those things that we've, I guess, probably got our own definition for now. What's it's the definition? For us, it's being able to show up consistently and do your best even when you fuck even when you knowing you're going to fuck up and fail and being able to show up again the next day and, and have a crack and i think excellence is like you know if you draw a line where excellence is we're probably never going to reach it um but knowing that every time we get closer to it 
we get better and everyone around us gets better and every time we get closer to it, it gets a little bit further away. Um, so it's just that, it's ne never ending pursuit of like, you know, perfection is probably another word, but for me, excellence isn't perfection. Excellence is knowing that you're gonna fuck up and be imperfect, but you're gonna keep doing it and keep moving forward. Um, yeah, and that's and it's multifaceted. It's not just in the gym; it's life as well. And yeah, everyone kind of bangs on about gym being a metaphor for life, um, but it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Lucky, that's a great way to finish the show. I reckon. Um, you're a very wise man. <laughs> I've really, I've <laughs> enjoyed being here. Say that. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for coming down, lads. Oh, yeah. 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 Quickly, yeah. where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at one slash two talker terrace in Mornington. Um, <laughs> performance most most of the time. Um, if I'm not there, then I'll probably be down at my office. Um, you can find me online, uh, Virtus Performance social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm Lachlan Wallace on Facebook, the Excellence Coach on uh, Instagram. Uh, I have a website, LockieWallace.com. All that's on there is a couple of photos, a couple of quotes. I love quotes. And uh, my journal, I kind of try and write an article. I write an article once a week, try and write a couple more if I'm not being a piece of shit. <laughs> um, apart from that, uh, just search, search Virtus on Google, you'll find us. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, Thanks lads. Thanks, mate. Pleasure.